All right, well, welcome to this podcast about bonsai trees. Uh, with me today is uh, Bjorn Bjorholm, and he did an apprenticeship in Japan for eight years. So I'm very uh, excited to have him here in the studio, and today I'm going to talk with him about what bonsai is and, and how you can create one yourself and about some of the, the magical stories surrounding the art of bonsai. Uh, so hey, Bjorn, welcome. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. <laughs> Where are we now? We are in Mallorca, Spain right now, of all places. So yeah. we're, we're here for a big bonsai event this weekend at a company called Bonsai Sense. So we're hanging out and making nice bonsai trees. Yeah, you travel around a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, I travel right now about 250 days out of the year. I'm sure. overseas, I'm in the States, always on the road. So it's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot to be away from home. Yeah, exactly. I just introduced you and I, I explained that you did a, an apprenticeship in, in Japan. What is an apprenticeship? Yeah, yeah, it's a, a very traditional way to learn any art in Japan or any craft in Japan. So with bonsai, the way it works is you usually do a five-year apprenticeship officially, and then you give an extra, usually a half a year to a year, kind of as a gift to your teacher for having taken you on for so long. Right. You work for another six months to a year. So you end up being there about five and a half or six years as an apprentice. And then beyond that, once you graduate, you receive certification from the Japanese Bonsai Association. And then if you decide to go back to your own home country, or if you are from Japan, you go back to your own city and start your own nursery, or you work at your own family's nursery. Uh, it's, you know, it just depends on the situation. So for me, I actually stayed in Japan an additional three years beyond my six-year apprenticeship. So I was there for about nine years, but I stayed on to work for the nursery where I did my apprenticeship. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. It's 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 such a special system to, to be abroad and you have to learn their language yeah oh yeah 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 I, I well I'd studied Japanese before I went to Japan in my undergraduate studies at university so I had a little bit of a base to go off of when I got there and then being you know sort of immersed in the culture and immersed in that environment you pick up the language quite quickly so even yeah. for other folks who had never studied Japanese before they come to Japan they jump into an apprenticeship within a year to two years they're I wouldn't say fluent but they're at least conversational in Japanese because you're sort of forced into that situation. Really, it's the only way to learn properly. You really need to be able to communicate with yeah. your oyakata or your teacher. Yeah, exactly. How old were you when you went to, uh, to Japan? Um, I was, let's see, I finished university when I was 22. So I graduated in early May. This would have been 2008. And then by the end of May, that same year, I was in Japan starting my apprenticeship. So I was 22 years old. And you were already doing bonsai back in the States then? Yeah, yeah. I had started doing bonsai when I was 13, actually, as a hobby. Wow. I saw the uh, Karate Kid movies. So I think that a lot of people get into bonsai through the Karate Kid movies. Yeah, same for me, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of professionals now, too, who that was their first introduction to the art. So I yeah. saw that when I was 13. And then throughout high school, I did it as a hobby. And my, uh, my dad actually joined me in the hobby as well. So it was like a father-son kind of hobby for us and then we started the Knoxville Bonsai Society which was a town where I was from Knoxville Tennessee we started that together and then from there he took over as the president and he's still involved in bonsai today just as a hobby though yeah yeah exactly yeah the Karate Kid that's that's fascinating for me it's it's all I watched the Karate Kid film and then I got instantly fascinated with the concept of small miniaturized trees mm. But um, so what, what exactly is bonsai? What's the definition or, or what, mm. what is it like more in a more general? Sure, yeah. I mean, technically, if you just want to take the two terms, bon and sai, it basically means to plant in a pot. So basically means a potted plant, essentially. But there's so much more involved with it than that. So it's not, you know, every potted plant that you see at your local Home Depot or home store is a bonsai. It's a very specific thing. So 
bonsai tend to have a, a single front or a single viewing angle. Uh, they tend to be trees that are, are woody, so plants that lignify, meaning that the, the trunks become barky. Uh, you know, pines, junipers, maples, really almost any species can become a bonsai as long as it has the ability to produce a barky trunk, for right. example. Um, you know, like I said, they typically have one front view uh, and they're designed in an aesthetic way through wiring or through pruning. So it's, it's very different than a typical potted plant or a house plant. Right. So it's not, yeah, it's not a tree species, right? It's I, not I a tree that species. No, no. Okay. Yeah, I, when I first started, I thought it was, you know, only junipers were bonsai. Okay. And I think a lot of people think maybe only maples are bonsai, but it, it okay. could be almost any species as, as long as the, the bark, you know, because the trunk becomes barky and as long as the leaf size can reduce a little bit. So there are a lot of trees that, you know, will produce a barky trunk, but the leaf size may be, you know, 15 centimeters or six inches across. And that's not really going to make a good bonsai because the leaf size isn't in proportion with the small overall size of the tree. So those couple of characteristics have to be taken into consideration when you're choosing a plant for bonsai, but it's not a specific species. No, yeah. no, exactly. But what I get a lot of uh, questions on my website is how people can find bonsai seed, for example. And that's... That's a funny thing if you if you think about it because there's there's no seed that will magically grow into a miniaturized bonsai tree. Right. Right. So you just plant a maple or you plant the juniper and then over the years you will you'll train it or develop it into a bonsai. Right. Yeah, growing stuff from seed like that is that's probably one of the most difficult ways to start a bonsai. It's a cool way to start if you can do it. It's it's fun, but it's very difficult. Yeah. So quite often we start with material from like a local garden center, for example. Or if you do want to jump into the more horticultural side of it, you can start taking cuttings off of other plants, which are much easier to produce than seeds. Seeds yeah. are difficult, but if you could say I grew this tree, this bonsai tree from a seed, that's a, a cool story. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So why why is it difficult from seed? Uh, there's just a, a lot involved horticulturally to make the seed grow and you know if you're only growing one seed it's highly likely that one seed will fail you need like a flat of a hundred seeds you plant them and then from there you choose a couple out that have the good characteristics that you're looking for yeah. so you know folks who are buying you know a kit for example that only has one seed in it the, the likelihood that, that seed's going to fail is <laughs> relatively high so yeah. it's better to have you know 100 200 seeds and then choose from there right and it will take at least a good five years or so before you have a tree that you know has a bit of a small trunk yeah, and some least, branches yeah at least five years yeah. it's a, long, a lot longer process yeah you have to be yeah. patient same for cuttings i think yeah for cuttings you know you, you take a cutting off a tree which is basically where you have a, a plant that you like the foliage type on so you cut a small branch off usually you know anywhere from like four to six centimeters so like what's that two to three inches or so and you plant it in dirt and depending on the species it'll grow roots so you'll have a whole separate new little plant so in that regard, you know, within a single growing season, you'll have a full set of roots if the cutting takes. So you've already established a little tree and by the second year it grows a little bit. So by the end of the second year, you should have, you know, a decent little plant to work with. So that's faster than uh, growing from seed. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. still, still time. But still time consuming. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your best bet is usually to go to like a local garden center where they've already done that work for you and you can select out from a you know, range of different plants there what's best for you species wise you know what speaks to you aesthetically in yeah. terms of trunk movement and branching and all of that yeah yeah exactly it's a bit of a head start maybe. yeah exactly it doesn't necessarily have to be a, like a bonsai nursery right it can no, be no. any plant nursery yep exactly it can be any any plant nursery any local home store like in the states here we have home depot and lowe's for example they have a section where they sell plants and quite often you'll find you know junipers or little pines or cypress sometimes maples and, and azaleas in those areas that can turn out to be nice little bonsai. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
So on the Bonsai Empire YouTube channel, there's uh, one movie I, I created about a year ago uh, where I show the progress of like this this young nursery stock uh, and then and put it in a bonsai container and, and prune it and wire it, um, which took maybe like two or three hours work. Uh, and I posted it on YouTube and, and suddenly it, it exploded. Now it, I think it has like four million views. That's crazy. So a lot of people are interested in this in this you know this faster way of doing bonsai but still on the cheap because mm. this this starter kit uh, this this young tree is only maybe 20 30 bucks but um the hard thing is then is to 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 style it to miniaturize it and that that's a bit of a process so if you would explain a beginner uh how you miniaturize a tree into a bonsai mm. how would you explain it how to miniaturize the tree okay <laughs> Because um, that's what that's what bonsai basically is, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we plant the trees in small containers, so that restricts the root growth to some degree. And every few years, we're going to be repotting the trees. So, sort of contrary to how this might sound, pruning the roots on a tree actually will cause the tree to grow more because you're basically removing the roots and then adding new soil. So you're adding new soil for those new roots to grow into, which is going to make the tree healthier. So that doesn't necessarily miniaturize the tree, but simply keeping it in a small pot will miniaturize it to some degree. And then in terms of the branching on the tree, uh, we do we apply wire to the trees, we prune the trees to keep them in the proper shape, the proper size. Um, but you have to assess what species of tree you're working with, and that'll sort of uh, dictate how much pruning you can do, the time of year you'll do that pruning to it, how much you should allow it to grow out first before you prune it back. So all of this information is uh, it's difficult to explain unless you have a specific tree that you're working with. But just know that in general it involves wiring and pruning to keep the tree back into shape. Yeah. Keep yeah. it relatively small. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's a lot of techniques involved in, in bonsai and I guess that's 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 why it took you probably seven years in Japan to really study the art to to a very high level. Yeah. But techniques like pruning, wiring, repotting, but also the watering, the fertilizing, um, knowing where to locate or where to put your tree in full <laughs> sun or even inside or outside. There's so much to it. Exactly. Yeah. Is it is it is it is it a difficult thing to to get started with then? I don't think it's difficult to get started. Um, you know, my recommendation from for new beginners is to find a species that you enjoy and purchase that species, but don't purchase you know forty trees from all sorts of different species. Just find one that you want to work with first. Learn about that particular species. Learn how to take care of it. Learn how to water it properly. How to prune it properly, and then from there, kind of branch out a little bit. So, getting involved with bonsai and, and learning how to do you know the art is really not that difficult. It's, it just becomes difficult when you have too many species and too many trees to take care of. Then you kind of lose track of what you need to be doing throughout the course of the year at specific times. So right. that's my number one recommendation for new people getting into bonsai is don't overly purchase stuff. Right. Find something you like and then focus on that until you really learn how to take care of it and then branch out from there. Right. Are there tree species you would recommend to get started with? Um, in the States, the probably the number one species that people get as a first bonsai is a, a Procumbens juniper. So it's a Juniperus Procumbens nana, which is a dwarf version. Right. It's I think it's a Japanese green mountain juniper is what they call it. Um, and you can find it at basically any garden center. Uh, they're very relatively slow growing. Uh, they're not apically dominant. They grow out laterally, so it, it's easy to keep them compact. Uh, you don't have to constantly keep cutting the apex down because it grows sideways rather than up. So you get this nice kind of uh, flowing branch pattern to the tree. 
Uh, and then they don't require a ton of water either. So, you know, once per day, you can water them if you're keeping them outside, uh, which you should be if it's a juniper. Uh, that's my mistake with my first tree was a juniper. I kept it indoors on my nightstand and I killed yeah. it within a couple <laughs> of weeks. So if it's a temperate tree like that, like a juniper, you have to keep it outside. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, they're very easy to take care of. You prune them maybe once or twice a year. It's very simple. So that would probably be one that I would recommend to most people. Um, Japanese maple, if you like deciduous trees instead of conifers, Japanese maples are also quite nice. Uh, again, those have to be kept outside. Um, the reason that they're nice is because they are relatively slow growing. So you prune them once, usually in April, right after the new leaves have come out, um, and they just sit there for the rest of the year. So it's one pruning per year. Um, they require a little bit more water than the juniper, so maybe twice per day in the summer. Uh, but during the rest of the year, once per day, once every couple of days is enough. So they're a very simple species to take care of as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. And if you if you really like to keep your tree indoor? Uh, yeah, if you want indoor trees, um, ficus uh, are always yeah. good. Uh, ficus benjamina, for example, uh, ficus retusa. These are all really good trees that you can maintain inside. Narrowleaf ficus as well. Uh, the only problem with indoor trees is um, in, in the wintertime, they do need light. So you might need to set up a lighting system. It is a very simple, small lighting system uh, if you don't have enough natural light entering whatever room you're keeping the tree in. Uh, but other than that, they're relatively easy to take care of as well. Yeah. So, so in the beginning, we already talked about that both you and I started Bonsai uh, with, uh, after watching the Karate Kid movie. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a very important way of popularizing it in, 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 in the West. But what's the, the history of Bonsai? Because Bonsai is a Japanese term, but uh, it originates in China. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the, the characters for bonsai, uh, bon and sai, those are kanji characters from China, and they're pronounced uh, pensai. So it's exactly the same characters, exactly the same meaning, it just is pronounced differently. Uh, so it would have started in China. Some people believe that it started as far back as in India with Ayurvedic medicine, you know, plants being put in pots or containers, uh, not for aesthetic purposes, but for uh, transport purposes. And then that moved to China as a practice where it became more of an aesthetic, uh, sort of artistic practice. And then from there, it moved to Japan. So there's all sorts of dispute about, you know, the timing of that, when it moved from one country to another. Uh, but it seems like uh, from China to Japan, it would have moved there somewhere uh, in the 700s. So, you know, 1300 years ago, more than likely. So uh, there's a long history in Japan with bonsai. But what we think of as bonsai today is uh, really almost exclusively uh, influenced by Japan, at least the aesthetics yeah. and the way we practice it. Yeah. What you see in China today, they still have pensai or bonsai there, but it's it looks a little bit different. It's um, a bit more, uh, maybe you'd say natural kind of looking out of China, and then in Japan it's more highly refined. Yeah, yeah. And all the techniques that we know now are pretty much uh, from Japanese origins. Exactly, yeah. The way yeah, most, yeah. Most of the techniques that we work with today really originated in the 1970s and 1980s out of Japan. It's sort of what we call contemporary or modern bonsai. Uh, and that's what we apply uh, to the trees now. So all the horticultural stuff, all of the uh, technical stuff, all of the really aesthetic and artistic stuff that we apply to trees, it, it sort of emanated from that period. A, a brief history of bonsai and benjing. Um, and all this history, and I, I guess the, the, the larger concept of, of age in bonsai is it's very important, right? Yeah, yeah, it's very important. So it's either a matter of finding a tree that is old and utilizing it in bonsai or finding a young tree and trying to make it look like 
an old tree by wiring the branches down, which kind of indicates uh, age to the plant, like snow has weighed the branches down over time, or just the natural weight of those old branches have pulled them down over time. Uh, bark characteristics, for example, if you can find a tree that has flaky bark, that quite often looks a lot older than a smooth bark tree. It depends on the yeah. species, of course, but if you can find something with that flaky bark or fissured bark, it usually indicates age. And there are ways to sort of expedite that or make, make the tree look older through certain techniques uh, that we apply to the trees. But yeah, age is very important. Right. There's a tree, uh, yeah, you, you must know about it, I'm sure, in, in uh, Hiroshima, which um, it's, it's quite a famous tree because it was already sitting in a nursery in or near Hiroshima when the, when the, the bomb fell. Mm -hmm. um, and everything around the nursery and the nursery itself was pretty much wiped away, but the tree was still there. Uh, and somehow it survived mm -hmm. and, and it's still alive today. Uh, and, but that, that tree is, I think, 350 years old. At least, yeah. Like documented history. Years, of, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Like, are, there, are there like a lot of these very old trees in, in nurseries in Japan? Oh, yeah. yeah. There are some trees that have been uh, grown from seed in many instances that are 400, 500, 600 years old. Wow. And there's uh, track of traceable history of those trees as well, just like the Hiroshima pine, which by the way, that Hiroshima pine is now at the U.S. National Arboretum Collection up in Washington, D.C. So if you're interested in seeing something like that with so much history, you can go to the Arboretum in D.C. and actually see it in person. I believe it's called the, the Yamaki pine. Yeah. So it's yeah. this big Japanese white pine that's it's very a very impressive tree, but it did survive the Hiroshima bombing. But beyond that, you know, all throughout Japan, you'll find trees, again, that are grown from seed that are three, four, five hundred years old. You'll also find trees that are eight, nine hundred, a thousand years old that are Yamadori or collected trees. So these would be trees that were in nature, growing in the mountains, that collectors would have gone out, dug up out of the mountains, brought them down, and then put them in pots and trained them as bonsai. So you'll see a lot of trees that were collected 100, 200 years ago that were already five or 600 years old when they were collected out of the mountains. So they're now seven, 800, 900 years old. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. So, so these very old trees, I, I, I guess they're very expensive? Yeah, uh, there are, uh, there's a big range in terms of price uh, with trees. So. Uh, some of the more expensive trees that you see coming out of Japan and other places like Korea, for example, they are in the seven-figure range, so over a million dollars. Those are very, very rare, though. Uh, most of the, the very expensive trees that we see in Japan, usually you'd say from $20,000 to $100,000. Uh, so what's that? Probably 15,000 euros to 80,000, 90,000 euros, somewhere in that range. Those are considered the top quality trees. And every once in a while, you'll see a tree that goes all the way up to seven figures. But that's very, very rare. Yeah. So, so what makes a bonsai expensive? Like, like age is, is a very obvious one. Right. Age, um, in Japan in particular, uh, it sort of comes in waves. So it's a, a very saturated market in Japan. There's a lot of really good material. Um, and then the species within that material, there'll be sort of fads and changes in preferences over time. So for example, back in the 1980s, Japanese maples were very, very popular, so they were very expensive. Nowadays, they're not that popular, so the prices have gone down. Whereas junipers, for example, over time, they've always gone up in value. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that you can no longer collect those yamadori that we just talked about. You can no longer legally collect those out of the mountains. So the trees that were collected in the past, that's all they have available there. So the prices of those trees have gone up and up and up and up. It's sort of like a housing market, you know, but it's, I don't think it'll end up being a bubble because there are no other 
trees that you could throw into the market and bring exactly. the market Exactly. Supply down. is limited. Supply, exactly. Demand is there. Exactly. The demand is there. So junipers in particular are, are the most expensive trees that you'll find in Japan. Very old, collected Yamadori that are four, five, six hundred years old, that are well-developed, that have certain characteristics like deadwood on the trunks, movement in the trunks. Uh, with the deadwood, you'll have an interplay of a live vein, which is what's attached to the roots running up the trunk and feeding the foliage at the top of the tree. So those characteristics are all very important when you're considering the price or the value of a tree. Does the, the style and then shape of a tree add to the value? Uh, it can in some instances. Um, you know, like I said, the, the smaller characteristics within the tree, uh, all of those added together will add to the value of the tree, but all of those characteristics added together also indicate the style of the tree to some degree. So, uh, you know, you can break bonsai down into a handful of basic shapes uh, that we sort of follow as guidelines. Now, just like anything, rules and guidelines, they're made to be broken, uh, but it's good to know sort of the basic general shapes. So, for example, uh, it's probably best to start with formal upright, uh, which is basically just a straight trunk on the tree. So the apex of the tree is directly over the base of the tree. The trunk tapers, perfectly straight trunk, and then you have branching on both sides of the tree. It's actually a very difficult style to pull off because all bonsai need to have direction, directionality. So they're either moving to the right or moving to the left. But when you have a perfectly straight trunk, the only way to indicate the directionality is through the lengths of the branches. So you have to be able to create balance within the branches to right. get you that directionality and create a beautiful, well-balanced tree. So even though it sounds like a simple, uh, simple style, formal upright, it's actually very hard to create. Uh, and then the second style, which is much easier to create, would be moyogi, which is uh, an informal upright. So you take the style of the formal upright and you just add some curvature to the trunk, sort of like an S shape, for example, and that'll give you a moyogi or an informal upright. That's a very a relatively easy style to pull off and probably the most common shape that you'll see in bonsai. And I think for most people, that's the image they have in their head of what a bonsai tree looks like, that, yeah. that shape. Yeah, exactly. So most material that you'll find will have a few curves in the trunk and then you can build a nice, well-balanced branch pattern off of that. Yeah. Uh, and then another style would be the uh, cascade style, where you have uh, a pot, the tree's in a pot, and the lowest branch of that tree cascades below the bottom of the pot. So it's a, another style that's relatively difficult to pull off, but it can be very beautiful. The reason it's difficult to pull off is because most of the trees that we use in bonsai are what's called apically dominant, so the apex is stronger than the lower branches. So to take a low branch and cascade it down very far will inevitably weaken that branch over time. So you have to apply various horticultural techniques to balance the energy between the top of the tree and that low branch. But if you can pull it off, it's a really beautiful style. And then sort of a variation on that style would be semi-cascade, where the lowest branch doesn't dip below the bottom of the pot, it just dips below the top lip of the pot. So that's another really nice style. I actually prefer that style myself. It's a bit more compact and, and tight and just it looks nicer to me. Yeah, a bit sure. more elegant maybe. Yeah, 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 it can be more elegant. Yeah. It, can be, it can be very powerful as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the full cascade, that long dangling branch, that can add a lot of elegance to the design. But when you remove that and pull the tree back in and make it more compact, you can have a much more powerful look to the tree, yeah. which I tend to prefer with that style. Uh, and one other style that I really like is something called bunjin or literati style, which is where you have a very slender trunk, relatively tall trunk, not a lot of movement in the trunk, not a lot of taper in the trunk, but a majority of the foliage is located in the top, usually third to a quarter. So everything emanates from the top and you have nothing down low. It sounds like an easy style to pull off, but it's actually quite difficult. 
uh, really it's it's one of those styles where you know if you go out in nature you'll see maybe like a, a forest a big forest and out of the forest you might see one lone pine sticking up above the canopy of the the lower canopies of all the deciduous trees that's the literati that tree is a literati it's it's made it through uh, broken through the canopies broken through that understory and made it out and to fight to, and to, to fight survive. to survive exactly yeah. so quite often you know they'll be relatively straight trunk but they'll have old bark to them just a little bit of foliage at the top and we try to apply that to plant material in bonsai and it's difficult to pull off and make it look nice but if you can do it it's it's fantastic it's, yeah, it's one of my beautiful. favorite styles yeah yeah so hard you don't see much of those trees and done in a really nice way it's yeah it's hard if you want to see photos or, or check some more information about these uh, these stuff just go to the website bonsaiempire.com we have a big article on uh, on bonsai styles but one uh one more style i i'd like to put forward is the is the forest mm-hmm. because uh I don't think it's the most popular tree that we see in like bonsai exhibitions but uh, I find them beautiful uh, myself but I think they're quite hard to make because, uh, did you ever make a forest yourself? yeah yeah forests are very difficult to put together though so you know usually in bonsai what we try to do is use odd numbers so if you're doing a forest composition we want to use you know seven trunks nine trunks eleven trunks once you get beyond eleven or thirteen trunks visually it's hard to tell how many are in there so it doesn't really matter if it's odd or even beyond that but usually we start out with an odd number of trunks and then to create a sense of balance with those trunks, it's very difficult. We wanna make sure that none of the trunks line up. When you look at the, the forest planting from the front or from the sides, you don't want it to look like hedgerows of trees. You want it to look like a natural forest has sprung up within the pot. So it is a very difficult style to pull off. But what I've noticed is that people who are uh, getting into bonsai or maybe have never seen bonsai and they come to a bonsai nursery, say they come to my nursery or they go to an exhibition, the trees that they gravitate towards first are always the forest plantings and rock plantings. There's something, just just a natural feeling, I guess, you know, this desire to be in the forest. You feel like you're a miniature person walking around at the base of the forest. So it's one of those things that it just draws people in. Yeah, and maybe easier to understand also. Like yeah. a, a small, like a miniature forest is, is much easier to understand than maybe the literati or the bunjin style. Very true, yeah. Yeah, literati style is the most difficult, I think, to comprehend fully. But the forest planting, like you said, and rock plantings too, those, it just, it feels natural. It feels, it's easy to understand. Yeah, completely agree. So we talked about bonsai, right? And, but it's a plant in a pot. So how important is the, is the pot? Uh, pot is actually very important. So uh, with the pot, the idea is to complement the tree. Uh, basically, you can sort of think of the pot as a picture frame for the tree. So you don't want the pot to overpower the tree. The tree itself, the bonsai itself, is the main focal point. And then the pot is meant to complement that and frame that. So, uh, for example, you wouldn't want to use a pot that's overly large for, say, a very feminine kind of dainty tree because it's going to overpower the tree. And all you're going to notice is the pot and not the tree. You might want to use something that's you know softer lines, smaller, shallower, that doesn't draw your eye away from the plant. So, uh, and then color, of course, is another big thing. You can either use the color to complement or contrast portions of the tree. So, for example, if you're working with a hornbeam, hornbeams tend to have a whitish color bark. So what we tend to do with hornbeams is plant them in darker containers, say maybe a really dark blue container, and you get a really nice contrast between the bark and the pot. So the pot doesn't detract from the bark, it actually makes the bark stand out more. So through the contrast, you bring your eye or the viewer's eye towards the tree rather than towards the pot. So it's all about finding that nice balance with the color and also with the shape and the size. 
You talked about bonsai styles and, and you already mentioned a little bit about the difference between Japan and, and, and for example China. Um, what kind of differences can you tell in in the US versus maybe Europe or, or both of those compared to Japan? Like, Are there a lot of different styles and feelings in bonsai worldwide? Um, it seems like most folks in the West, so in Europe and in, in the United States, uh, kind of gravitate towards trying to learn the techniques that are applied to trees in Japan. It's that aesthetic, you know, the, most people are exposed to Japanese bonsai and then that aesthetic influences the way that they design their trees. Uh, but there, you know, there are various cultures all over the world and that will inevitably influence down the road how people uh, think about aesthetics and how they want to apply those aesthetics to their trees. So. Japan is usually a good launching pad to go off of in terms of design and understanding aesthetics and bonsai art, uh, but then your own personal flavor and your own cultural background will inevitably influence how you style trees. So we talked about age uh, being important in, in bonsai, we talked about styles, we, we talked about how you can grow a tree from seed or cuttings or even collect it or buy it in a nursery. Um, but what if I, if, if I hear this podcast and I, I, I'm interested in bonsai and I'm, I'm eager to get started, so what would your advice be? So my recommendation would be to learn as much as possible before you jump in and actually purchase a tree. So there are a lot of really good places online to get that information. You can go to Bonsai Empire's YouTube page, check out all the videos that they have there. Um, and then we also have through bonsaiempire.com some online classes that you can take. We've got a beginner's class, an intermediate class, and an advanced class online. So it's a video tutorial setup where you can watch these lessons and we kind of explain to you how to source material, how to design the material, how to pot the material, and how to take care of the material. So I recommend that you learn that first and then go out and start searching around at, say, your local garden center, for example. That's usually going to be the best place to find something to start with to turn into a bonsai. So, you know, for us in the States, like I said, you've got Home Depot and Lowe's, which are kind of the commercial places, but you can go to even just a local garden center and search through, uh, you know, maybe the juniper section or the azalea section or the pine section and pick, you know, one or two species that you really have interest in, purchase those, design those, learn everything you can about those, and then from there kind of branch out a little bit. All right, that was a ton of information, Bjorn. Thanks a lot for uh, doing this uh, podcast with me. That was my pleasure. And to you, those uh, listeners out there, thanks a lot for listening. And uh, uh, just go to our website or YouTube channel if you want to learn more about bonsai. Uh, Google Bonsai Empire or check it out on, uh, on YouTube. And there's a lot of free tutorials out there. So thanks for listening and see you next time.